Welcome to the podcast of New City Church. We hope this podcast inspires you on your journey of inward and outward transformation. Please join us on Sundays. You can find more information on our website, grownewcity.church. God bless you. Hey, New City Podcast listeners. This is Tyler. I wanted to thank you for listening to the New City Podcast. Uh, this is a special uh, episode of our podcast. We are kicking off the Downshift Sermon Series. Ooh, it's so good. Um, and this past Sunday, we had a blizzard here in South Minneapolis, and it disrupted some of our Wi-Fi. And when the Wi-Fi gets disrupted, that means the stream gets disrupted, and that means the audio recording for the podcast gets disrupted. So I am re-recording this um, so that we can all kick off this amazing sermon series on Sabbath together. Now, some of you might be wondering, Tyler, how do you pick these sermon series? Uh, is it like that God sends down a, a, a note in the mouth of a dove that perches a loft on your shoulder? And the answer is no, podcast listener. We did a community listening session where uh, we called out seven main themes of spiritual growth areas that our community wanted to grow in. There are four for inner transformation and three for outer transformation. And one of the inner transformation goals was practicing consistent self-care. We heard over and over again how people wanted to slow down, how people wanted to rest, how people wanted to practice not assigning their worth to their productivity. And so we put together this sermon series responsive to maybe not a, a dove sending me a special note, but <laughs> responsive to the Holy Spirit moving in our community. Now, when we talk about this uh, concept of Sabbath, this day of rest, uh, all of that goes way, way, way back to the book of Exodus, which is in the very beginning of the Bible. Not like very, very beginning, but like second to close beginning. And there's this amazing text that says, Remember the Sabbath day and treat it as holy. Six days you may work and do all your tasks, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Do not do any work on it, not you, not your sons or daughters or children, nor your male or female servants, your animals or the immigrants who are living with you. Because the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and everything that is in them in, how many? Six days, but rested on the seventh day. And that is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Do you know where that's from in the Bible? That's from that part of Exodus that is laying out the Ten Commandments. <laughs> the it made the big ten in the moral listicle of the Bible, <laughs> here we have this special requirement to observe the Sabbath, this day of rest. It is considered as important as not murdering people. There's a commandment around not murdering people. Yeah, don't do that. And also make sure you observe the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath. It's a really big deal, so much so that uh, it got carved into giant stones, so much so that the Jewish tradition, in many regards, orbits around this practice of Sabbath, and Jesus himself uh, was deeply 
influenced through Sabbath. If we don't understand Sabbath, then we probably don't understand the Judeo-Christian tradition at all. It's really, really important. But what can't be lost in, in looking at this reading is um, that this was fundamentally a labor policy. This was like an understanding that not just, you know, the aristocracy would be able to rest, but that all of creation would be able to rest. All humans, regardless of their economic status, as well as animals, as well as land. This was a labor policy that came in 3,000 years ago. And in fact, it was one of the defining features of uh, the the early Jewish in, um, culture and religious practice in contrast to other ancient Near Eastern religions. It's a very, very important feature that is a labor policy. So, you know, fast forward uh, 3,000 years later, and imagine yourself in Chicago, uh, marching down Michigan Avenue, that giant avenue in Chicago. It's May 1st, 1886, and Lucy and Albert Parsons lead 80,000 people down Michigan Avenue in the f- what would become the first May Day Parade. Uh, Lucy Parsons is an African-American woman. Albert Parsons is a white man. Uh, they got married and moved on up to uh, Chicago. And one of their main themes was that they were advocating for an eight-hour workday. Uh, they said it's inhumane to force people to work uh, longer than that. Like the human body wasn't built for that. These were prolific thought leaders at the time and of the labor movement still. Uh, Lucy Parsons was an incendiary orator who would speak so powerfully that it would like incite things, <laughs> like it, like things moved and shook uh, when Lucy Parsons spoke. Uh, the tradition says that um, the police talked about Lucy Parsons like her voice is more dangerous than a thousand rioters. Wow. Yeah. And so that's how powerful this movement towards rest is because there's something deep within the human condition that says, I know that I was designed to be able to rest and I am going to show up to create a better system to do that. And what, 140 years later, here in America, there are 4.5, over 4.5 million Americans voluntarily leaving their job. The great resignation as a product of COVID and as a product of really unfair labor practices has led this kind of decentralized movement of people saying, I deserve better from my work. I deserve better from my job. I uh, uh, am in touch with my own mortality during this pandemic. And I suddenly realized that I don't want to spend the rest of my days working a job that treats me so, so poorly. And so in in it kind of its own decentralized march, everyone is moving away from these horrible labor practices that continue to plague us. Why is it that so many people at New City Church have to work two, three, or even four jobs in order to make a living for their own single self, much less support a family, but just to exist uh, requires so much work. And a lot of people are looking at these jobs saying, it's not worth it. 
I'm giving more than I'm receiving from my job that is supposed to be paying me. You know, it's, it's, it's a huge awakening. It's a huge reckoning. And I believe that this is kind of a, a continuation of our spiritual ancestors, of, of the same spiritual ancestors who started observing the Sabbath, um, continuing to move in our current uh, climate and, and financial and political climate. I believe that it's the Holy Spirit saying, I know that there is a better way. It doesn't have to be like this. Because all of this, whether it's the Sabbath or the first May Day March or the, um, uh, the Great Resignation, asks the question, what rest is every person entitled to? What rest is every person entitled to, regardless of if they have a degree, regardless of whether they, you know, like earned it, like a tip, like how, how much rest is every human being entitled to? Because if we don't understand that question, if we can't powerfully respond to that question, we will never be able to create a whole society if we don't have a strong grasp of what rest every person is entitled to, we'll never create a society that is fair or just because rest is once again, a fundamental part of the human organism. It's, it's how we were created. And when we create labor policy, it's, it's naming how we should rest together as a society. And so my question for you, fair listener, is do you feel well rested? Do you feel like in your body, in your heart, in your hands and all the activities that it does in your mind, do you feel well rested? Some people at New City, when I preached uh, this sermon, <laughs> almost kind of got teary-eyed when I asked them that question because for so many of us, the idea of being well-rested is almost insulting to the condition of what's going on in our society, what's going on in our own personal lives even. And, and so for you, if you feel like rest is far away, let me just say that this whole sermon series is dedicated to you. <laughs> this whole sermon series is our community traveling together to share our best practices, our holiest inspirations, and our divine callings to understand how we can embrace God's rest into our lives. Because part of the faith practice of being in this Judeo-Christian tradition is the belief that God wants you to rest. And so we as a community must discern how we can go about being well-rested. And hey, if you are feeling well-rested, if you're a part of our community who's saying like, you know, I actually uh, am, am feeling like I'm in a pretty good spot. That's amazing. And I hope that there are things that you'll learn from this sermon series as well. Um, things about like how we can support each other in community so that everyone, regardless of how marginalized they are, can feel well-rested. How, how um, people who are further along in rest might have some space to take on some, some pretty big projects that, that folks who are exhausted might not be able to. Um, and, that's, and that's the gift. That's, that's the promise that, um, that rest offers. And I, I want to name that we're threading a really particular needle here at New City with this sermon series, because there's kind of like two extremes 
that I, I don't want to fall into. It's kind of like I'm bowling with this sermon <laughs> when I'm talking about rest and there are two gutters that I'm trying not to fall into. And so on one side of the gutter is, um, you know, like I, I know that there's some policy bros in our community, love you so much. The folks who are so like in it about policy and who really believe in the power of policy, which I clearly also believe in the power of policy. Um, because every every society needs a good labor policy, you know, uh, ever ever since uh, Moses, the Ten Commandments, and Sabbath, <laughs> it's been clear that every society needs good policy. Because policy and laws are how we agree to live together and function as a society. And if our society's rules aren't conducive to human flourishing, there's only so much that can be done from an individualistic standpoint. Like, ask the folks in Minneapolis who are experiencing homelessness right now how easy it is for them to... You know what I mean? Like, their homelessness uh, is the product of bad policy. And, uh, and if we are to create a well-rested society, then we need to create the containers for pe all people to be able to rest. And so... I think that, yeah, uh, policy is important. And if we rely only on policy, if we look at policy as if it were the savior, we will always be disappointed. And the evidence of that is, <laughs> I mean, I don't know about you, but I know plenty of people who really do have bougie jobs, who have comfortable jobs, uh, incomes above the threshold. Have you ever seen that study? In, in the U.S. labor, that's like people who earn $70,000 or more aren't actually becoming happier when they get a raise. Isn't that interesting? So I know folks who are earning above $70,000. I know folks in corporate America who have amazing vacation policies. And they use those vacation policies. But when they are on vacation, they can't find rest. And, and similarly, I know folks who are poor, I know folks who are working class, who because of marginalization have many boots on their, uh, stepping on them. And yet, somehow I get this sense, and, and this isn't a romanticization, but I really do see that in, in a clear-eyed kind of way that they're experiencing a rest, a type of rest that eludes uh, even the wealthy in society. And so, you know, if the answer is just policy, how come the folks who seem to be benefiting from the best, at least corporate policies, are not finding rest, and the people who are facing the brunt of the worst of our policies are finding rest? This is this is the, the invitation for us, for us to look into spiritual work. Not just policy, but spiritual work. Not just creating the container, but observing what happens within the container. Uh, because New City Church believes in inner and outer transformation. Inner meaning like your soul and how you understand your emotions and yourself, your calling. As well as outer transformation, meaning the broader community, society, and the globe. And there is spiritual work to be done in Sabbath. Because regardless of what your state legislature 
decides is the labor policy, you also have a sole legislature that is making up stories of what is okay or not okay about your work habits. You have an emotional <laughs> house of representatives that is deciding whether or not it's okay for you to actually take a break, whether or not it's okay for you to rest, whether or not it's okay for you to put down the work for just a moment to catch your breath. And if we don't start addressing the ways that we are policing ourselves, if we don't understand our inner labor policy, then no matter what container we are put in, no matter how our society is designed, there will still be a restlessness within us. So many of the Christian mystics throughout the past 2,000 years have talked about, you know, like, I find rest when I find rest in God. There is a restlessness without God, and with God there is a home, there is a landing, there is a peace and a stillness that is beyond description. That is what we are also striving for in Sabbath. However, if we only focus on spiritual things, if we only focus on individualism, you know, what each person is encountering in their own lives, then we'll never really look at our own responsibility to each other through systemic policies, <laughs> through systemic uh, reform or abolition of systems, right? Like, we have to do both the inner and the outer. You know what I mean? There is a story in the Bible, in Mark chapter 2, verses 23 to 28, uh, where Jesus and his disciples are walking through this beautiful uh, field of wheat. And uh, here's what the text says. But just imagine all these disciples going through this field of wheat with Jesus. Jesus went through the wheat fields on the Sabbath. As the disciples made their way, they were picking the heads of wheat. The Pharisees said to Jesus, Look, why are they breaking the Sabbath law? He said to them, haven't you ever read what David did when he was in need, when he and those with him were hungry? During the time when Abiathar was high priest, David went into God's house and ate the bread of the presence, which only the priests were allowed to eat. He also gave bread to those who were with him. Then he said, The Sabbath was created for humans. Humans weren't created for the Sabbath. This is why the human one is Lord even over the Sabbath. <sighs> Dang, Jesus, just call him on out. But do you see the interplay between inner work and policy in this story? You know, Jesus and the disciples are walking through, they're plucking heads of wheat to eat, which would be considered harvesting. Harvesting, of course, being a banned activity, B-A-N-N-E-D, banned activity on the Sabbath day. And then there being this policy that is being enforced by the Pharisees saying, hey, you're not supposed to be harvesting on Sabbath. The whole point of the Sabbath is that you're not harvesting. And I love, love, love what Jesus is saying here because <laughs> he's saying like, okay, like, you all are enforcing a rule that is rightfully and well-intentioned put into society to try to create a restful society. It's not that saying that we shouldn't harvest on Sabbath is a bad idea. I think that's a great idea. It's that 
you're enforcing this policy that was intended to create a well-rested society. And then here are these children of God walking through a field hungry while being surrounded by God's bounty, while all of God's goodness is reaching up from the ground, begging them to have their needs met, because don't we worship a God who cares about our bodily needs being met? All around, God is trying to have our bodily needs being met. And so the disciples are looking at this, and I guess they're harvesting by getting themselves a snack, but but Pharisees, you have lost track of the inner work. You are enforcing good policy without getting in touch with the Spirit of God. And as long as you enforce good policy without doing inner work, there will always be a perpetuation of injustice and hunger in our world. It is the responsibility of people of faith to pursue both inner and outer transformation. This is the call of Jesus. And one of the main theological frames that Jesus taught in, and this is something that we use at New City a lot, is the distinction between the empire and the kingdom of God. Jesus talks about empire like the the oppressive systems, the mechanisms of evil and violence in our world. That's the empire. And then the kingdom of God is the liberative, hoped-for world that God had in mind when she created all of us. The, the kingdom of God is like this like future that God is hoping for us, and, and we participate in the kingdom of God when we practice inner and outer transformation, and we participate in the empire when we don't. Um, and, and I want to name that un- particularly in, in relation to rest, the empire has a lot at stake because a well-rested, well-resourced people can do things like uh, organize and create reform and look out for each other and forgive each other and practice uh, uh, mercy and justice in their society. But an exhausted people cannot easily fight back. And so it is the empire's self-interest for people who are facing injustice to continually be exhausted because an exhausted people cannot easily fight back. And so, I mean, like, why is it that so many people at New City Church work three or four jobs? I don't know, but it sure is an effective way to try to prevent folks from fighting back. I think that one of the main reasons why we've seen such an uptick in the pandemic is in part because people are leaving their jobs and also in part because for many folks, not all folks, but for many folks, there's been a certain simplification of life that has allowed them to show up for activism in ways that they weren't able to before, which doesn't mean that the pandemic was easy, goodness no, but it meant that... the especially once vaccination started, that people felt like kind of like, gosh, I can either uh, stay at home with my screaming kid or bring my screaming kid to a screaming protest and then we could scream together. <laughs> you know, like I, I saw a change in the Twin Cities um, activism field during COVID. And I, I think that that really has a lot to do with this rest dynamic. I think it has a lot to do 
with the empire using all of its tactics to try to keep people from speaking up, from reaching out and connecting, from praying even. And I believe that the kingdom of God requires us to really critically and passionately pursue rest. We have to run after rest. We have to chase rest. <laughs> Ironically enough, we have to kind of work for rest. Yeah, that's just the nature of the empire. However, like one of the frames that we'll be talking about is like, how do we make it so that it's not just like work is the center of our life and then rest is kind of this like trim that we have that we do so that we can get back to work. That's kind of like a productionist mindset of, of like I work and then I rest so that I can get back to work. And how do we shift that so that rest can be the center of our lives? So that the practice of Sabbath, the day of rest, can be the most significant day of the week again. Because it was the most significant day for God <laughs> in the creation of the universe. And if it was the most significant day for God, then I believe that we can follow suit. Like we read in Exodus, God desires rest for all of creation. And if we really are going to get there for all of creation, then we're going to have to center Sabbath, center rest, and then have work be the necessary and good things that we do so that we can all rest meaningfully, all of us, even the land. And so this uh, sermon series for the next seven weeks, we're going to be challenging you uh, to participate in the Downshift Sermon Series Challenge. It's very simple. So uh, we have a little handout, but you can even do this on your own on a piece of paper, where during worship we'll have time for people to name an empire narrative and then replace it with a gospel narrative. Empire narrative meaning, like, what is the narrative of oppression that is stopping you from engaging in God's rest? And the gospel narrative being, what is the good news that God has put in your life that allows you to engage in that meaningful rest without guilt or shame, I might add. So we'll have a time every worship service for us to write down that on a piece of paper. And then I invite you to put that paper in a strategic spot. Don't just kind of like put it in a drawer and forget about it. I want you to put it in a place where you most need that type of reminder. Maybe it's on your desk uh, at home where you do your work slash school streaming slash influencing. For, <laughs> I don't know what you do at home, but maybe it's on your office or maybe it's um, you tape it near your door because right when you come back to your apartment, that's a good time for you to remember to switch gears, to downshift, some might say. Maybe you have road rage and you need to put it on your dashboard. Whatever it is, let that piece of paper be your prompt to pray. Whenever you see that piece of paper, you know, touch it, notice what's going on in your body, breathe in a prayer so that you can shift, downshift your body. Downshifting meaning like, instead of go, uh, going at a really fast, high revolution rate, rapid, slowing down, and being able to uh, just move at a little bit more intentional and slower of a rate. Put the paper there. And every Wednesday, we'll ask you to check in on Circle, which is the social platform of New City Church. You can get a free account for Circle at grownewcity.church slash circle. 
And uh, if you're ever on our website, on the bottom right, there's a little blue bubble. You can just click the bubble and boom, you're into circle. On the, on the little topics area, you'll see the sermon series challenge. And every week, we'll, every Wednesday, we'll post, how's it going? And you can post an update as simple as a series of emojis <laughs> to talk about how your rest is going. And if you check in every week for the entire sermon series, you will get a free copy of Cole Arthur Riley's latest book, This Here Flesh. Ooh, y'all, Cole Arthur Riley. Uh, is this book got on the New York Times bestseller list, by the way. Um, Cole Arthur Riley, African-American woman based out of Chicago, um, started an Instagram called Black Liturgies, and it kind of exploded into this huge, huge thing. Um, one of the most important uh, Christian voices to be listening to in the United States right now. She just released her first book, and I'm so excited about it. And so if you check in every week on Circle, then you will get... Uh, a book from Cole Arthur Riley. And spoiler alert, at the end of the month on March 26th, the uh, uh, New City Church is co-hosting, I'm checking my calendar to make sure I'm right. Yeah, March 26th at, um, in the afternoon, if you um, make, sh- if you tune in, uh, New City Church is going to be co-hosting a special online event with Cole Arthur Riley and Krista Tippett. So it's going to be amazing. Please, please, please do turn up for that. And in all things, my friends, know that the peace of the earth is always with you and that rest is always available. Amen.